Hello, and welcome to Furlough, defining moments worth talking about. As always, I'm your host, Leonard Cochran, and we have Steve Otterstrom here with us again today. Steve, it's been a busy week in my world. Uh, nothing too exciting as far as pandemic or furloughs concerned. Well, I guess it is furlough related. I am in the process of getting upskilled to do my gig economy job that I'm going to be doing uh, for a few minutes until we return to my normal position. So uh, that, that's been keeping me a little bit occupied. It happened later in the week, and I've been working on that. So what's been going on in your world this week? I know you oh. had some COVID-like symptoms. Let's, let's touch base back <laughs> yeah. on that. Um, no, unfortunately, I didn't get a death notice from you, no, so I assume no, you you're okay. You didn't, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, fortunately, really almost... Uh, by Tuesday, I didn't I didn't have any symptoms anymore, and, and then also on Tuesday I got the results of the COVID test that I had taken. Um, it actually okay. turned around pretty quick. They they had it to me within forty eight hours, um, and it came back negative, which was exactly what I was hoping for. And then I felt you know pretty fantastic since then. Um, it has made me, and I don't know why. I don't know why a false well you know. <laughs> wasn't a false negative it was a, it was a true negative but um a false alarm <laughs> would cause me to be a little more cautious but it certainly has <laughs> that I'm, yeah i'm yeah. going oh you know this is this is a real thing and and even just from the perspective you know it was very interesting to um be in that long line of cars waiting to have my brain scratched with a q-tip and um <laughs> and just thinking you know statistically based on where the testing had been at that point it was almost one in four people were um, showing up positive. Uh, hmm. And so just thinking, I, I'm, I'm counting the cards off. That one's got it. <laughs> that one's got yeah. it. Um, and just, you know, it, it did bring to light that this is a real thing. You know, this is really happening. I think sometimes we see things in the news and it's very easy to be detached from what's happening. And then that leads to complacency. Uh, so yeah, renewed effort to make sure my mask is is on when I need it on, and uh, Your my mask hands is secured. are <laughs> exactly my hands are washed regularly, and taking those precautions so we protect our family. But one of the cool things I did um, actually just yesterday, uh, remember at the beginning of this podcast, I started keeping bees. Well, yes, um, yes. yesterday I harvested the very first honey from those. So that no. was, was very exciting. And, you know, it's it's funny because it's the those simple pleasures. There wasn't anything exciting about it. Thank goodness, like the bees didn't attack me or anything when I was taking the honey. But it was just really, um, I don't even know how to describe it because it's just kind of the awe of something so simple, like all these bugs. Yeah made a gallon and a half of honey that's what i was gonna ask a gallon and a half Dang. yeah and, so and, you, and so you're you're gonna be sharing with friends i assume yes yeah friends. and if if i, I can think of a way to send it to you friends. leonard <laughs> i'm afraid you might just get a sticky yeah. package but yeah um and then um i dropped off some honey on uh took you know some up to my parents and um you know took it around but it was just it's just really interesting and i've talked to other beekeepers and, uh, you know, you really do kind of 
gain this affinity for your bees when you keep them. And I know that sounds silly because they are insects after all, but you do kind of like as you bring them water and you check on them and you make sure that there's, you know, that they're laying eggs and things and the hive is healthy, you kind of gain this um, affection towards them. And there was one point, you know, after I had um, separated the, the honey out and we were running it through the sifters, and I just started to feel a little guilty. I'm like, I stole all this honey from them. <laughs> but I had well, to remind what myself. What do with it anyhow? I don't know. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Save it for winter. But, I've uh, never really known what bees do with honey. <laughs> <laughs> I have no. Yeah. But but yeah, it was it was really kind of fun um, and and exciting to see that process. So that was the beginning of furlough, yeah. and now I guess I'm a true apiarist because I've now. I've now actually harvested some honey. Well, there you go. Well, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's it's something that's always fascinated me, but I've I've never done the research or really jumped into it. And uh, I, I guess I'm not big on getting bee stings or thinking about that either. Yeah, so that's uh, why I wear a suit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And I smoke them. Yeah, <laughs> smoked bees. <laughs> yeah. We'll save smoker. that recipe for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, okay, I don't kill them. I put a little smoke around it, and it drives them into the hive. Uh, you know, if I still lived oh. in Nevada, I'd give them special smoke. But now that I'm in Utah, <laughs> that's yeah, right. I can't give them that real calming smoke anymore. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. Well, well, before we get too far down a wrong road that we can't recover <laughs> from, we'll go ahead and shift a little direction here. And uh, we do have a guest with us today. And so I'm pleased to introduce her with us. Uh, so Shannon Milliman is a friend of ours and uh, actually met her through LinkedIn. And so it is a great social networking place for folks that are lagging on being out there. But of course, if you listen to this, you're probably out there because this is where we promote it more than anything. Uh, but nonetheless, Shannon, a little bit about her. She is a certified professional in talent development, and she champions applied improvisation to help businesses, individuals, and families to be more resilient, agile, and changeable. And she is a playwright and a performer of an autobiographical, I'm saying that horribly bad, autobiographical, however you want to pronounce that. It's an autobiography, one woman play, and it's called Not So Supernova. And she believes it is important for people to pursue creative ways of finding solutions to bring relationship challenges uh, to big relationship challenges at work home and at play. And so she's does some neat things there and she loves to inspire people to be free and love themselves exactly as they are. She's got a bachelor of arts from Brigham Young University and she also studies memoir at Portland, Oregon's Attic Institute. And she also has a podcast that is called The Shannon Milliman Show. So Shannon, welcome to our show. Great to have you here. Thank you, my friends. It's good to be here. So Shannon, uh, we talked a few times. And of course, one of the things as we've been going through this whole pandemic and through this whole situation, uh, one of the things that I know we, uh, through you, I'd made a connection and that person was talking about using improv in their daily lives. And so I thought that might be an interesting topic to kind of talk about on this program. 
And you too actually were on furlough. And I did not realize that till we just spoke about coming on the podcast. So if you would, um, if you want to share anything about being on furlough and that experience, and then just kind of start to imp- unpack a little bit of what on earth improvisational skills have to do with surviving during furlough and during these crazy times here. Okay, sounds good. So when it all happened, uh, it's funny how we talk about it. It's like these dramatic terms, you know, but it, it is <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> Feels dramatic. Yes. It does, it does. Yeah, for real. So I thought my job, I worked for the city of Portland and um, was pretty safe. Well, the work that I suddenly had to do was urgent and needed. I was instructing on how to use technology like Microsoft Teams and Skype for business that are, we had but weren't very adept on. And so suddenly as a training analyst, I was needed. And um, so I thought, well, there's enough work. Uh, they're not going to have any shaking in, in my room. But um, it's not really about that. It's more about budget. <laughs> it's not the world doesn't revolve around me per se. So they did um, make a decision for um, these employees to take this length of furlough and these to take another. And I was very fortunate to take a short to have to be required to take a short furlough. And I just have one more day of furlough left. Um, but the, it is very um telling that the improv principles that I practice and believe in and like to share and give people new tools to kind of reframe the struggles or the opportunities that they have, mm-hmm. have uh, been a little taste of my own medicine. Like, whoa, like it's time to use these in a really unexpected way. So yes, doing that at work and quickly adjusting and adapting and turning fast turns um, was working on some projects and shifted completely. But I found some surprising turns when I had the furlough. I um, just all along, when, when change like this happens that was really heavy and potential for uncertainty, I think we all have our ways of trying to just ground to what's important. And I've done a lot of introspection about what's important to me and spending a lot more time with my family. Um, you know, and so, yeah, I, I do you want me to dig into well, yeah, what I've I was, done? Or- well, I was going to ask you, yeah. So uh, certainly want to hear some about what you've done. And I know, too, because you talk about using these tools or having these, and as we say in the work world, kind of in your toolbox, did you immediately begin to think about improv and ways that you could use it? Or did you just, uh, as you say, just kind of assess where you are and what's of value to you? Kind of kind of walk us through that a little bit if you have memory yeah, of how that I, worked I think out. Um, my first response, um, what the introspection that you kind of highlighted was, um, it's, it's almost more of a matter of, because I've had a chance to practice the improv principles, um, improv is anyway, like, it is our default anyway. When it, when an urgent situation happens, you improvise. You know, it isn't like a formal, okay, turn time to put on my improv cape and sure. dance about. <laughs> um, but I think one, the thing that the introspection is I one branded improv skill is notice everything. And I, I thought about where I am on this place in this world, the people that I care about, my loved ones. And... Um, I just let that kind of percolate and I 
realized, oh, I have this special opportunity to be present with my kids. I'm I'm in my house. I'm getting my mortgages worth now, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm home. Um, and then I kind of moved into a, oh, the, the stress of what it looks like to be lacking money during um, a furlough. And I, I did consciously think of that as, oh, this is a, an accept the offer situation. When it feels like it's not an offer, it still can be an offer. Acknowledge that it can be. Uh, appreciate it for for something else because everything you get, whether it's, you know, you might think it's a negative offer, the, the focus of that is to make you frame it in a way that's positive like if you're offered something you can then return something or you can do something with that and me having some time off opened up this uh revelation where I've been working slowly on interviewing my grandfather and writing his life story and I've been doing it through an app called Marco Polo because he's about 10 hours away from me and he figured out how to do it at 87 years old and props to him. Um, you know, <laughs> there's hope for neat? many of us. Then, right? <laughs> and um, I thought I'm almost done with my interviews, but what I really need to do is go in person and interview. I have a lot of 80 and 90 year old relatives, his siblings mm-hmm. that are living in that Idaho area and some other relatives I didn't know. And that they'd be able to tell me other angles and light about my grandparents that I wouldn't know. And the only way to do that is really in person. And so I took the risk and I said yes to the improv <laughs> and I went to Idaho and I tried to be as careful as possible, but I, I was embracing risk there. Um, but I was remembering that the relationship, um, that's another improv principle, is kind of what matters most. The the scene is always about the relationship, not the things or what you're doing. And people above all matters. And it's, it's, a, it's a juxtaposition because sometimes staying away from people right now is the thing. Um, but I, I, felt, I felt this urgency that I didn't have time on my side. And I don't, you know, I'm not clairvoyant, but I, I felt that. And so I took the risk and I went yeah. and it, a powerful things happened. So I, I, I'm really kind of intrigued by this idea of your improv toolkit and uh, some of the tools that I feel like we're hearing about already just in, in what you've already discussed is accept the offer and remember that it's all about the relationship. Um, now I've, I've never done improv. I'm, I'm thinking Leonard probably never has either, but could you kind of give us just a quick tour of what is in an improv toolbox? Um, I'll, I'll give you a a few tools that are kind of common ones. One, uh, listen, we learn and we grow when we listen and we get what we need and what we should be giving when we do make active choices do something. It doesn't have to be right or wrong. Just do something. Uh, be in character. Maintain that character for the purpose of your goal. Remember a relationship. Let's see, the people are what really matters. Yes, and then you could say yes and. Um, if you say yes, you lean into possibility. And when you say and, when you're working with someone else, this is work, business, play, you leave room for them to be heard and expressed and you can build on one another instead of like, oh, sorry, I don't hear you. I can't even communicate that way. I just love that one. 
Um, it's this give and take that's more give than take. And then embrace failure, another great one, because don't we all fail a few times? Um, <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, this week, I'm... Uh, not something I really want to tell you, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I got in a, I, I participated in some unsavory gossip in my family and didn't go to source of person and have been dwelling on this gossip for years. And she found out and I feel terrible and I have mm. to own the fact that I failed and I really have to embrace that or I can't rebuild. And I'm trying to get a hold of said person who is wounded and deservedly mm -hmm. and i can't yet because she's not quite ready to probably uh say yes and to me <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a good opportunity to hopefully to grow you know well and um, i really like that you you yeah. frame failure in that context because i think a lot of times what we talk about instead of failure is we actually talk about mistakes you know, we say own your mistakes, but we're really talking about things you couldn't control or things that were outside. But failure is really when you when you screw up and we're not very good at embracing that. We we look at it so often as, well, this is we hide our failures and we embrace our mistakes because our mistakes. Mm -hmm. Oh, we're human. We all make mistakes, but we never would consciously do something that was was actually wrong. And the truth is we all do stuff that's actually wrong all the time. Yeah. And, and we can't move beyond it until we have an opportunity to really own it. And so I love the way that you've, you've expressed that, you know, in that you embrace your failures and, and embarrassing failures, <laughs> you know, so right. we all like to think we wouldn't do those things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but yeah, no, I do it. <laughs> When you really think about it, uh, a f we tend to have a tendency to view failure as, as a period or a stop, the end, failure, mm. boom. And in the reality, it's just a new beginning. You're just starting mm. from a different position because of having so. gone, through, <laughs> gone through, right? Yeah, so. which actually another principle for improv is trust and support your partners. And of course, that starts on the scene. But that what you're saying is, is a reminder to myself of, okay, um, she's my partner in this, you know, I've got, really got to remember we, we have common goals and I have to trust that, that the time and the reaching out will help and that we will be able to listen. That's good. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is such a great like toolbox already. I, I want to kind of read it back just so that um, anyone listening can, maybe they weren't taking notes like I was, <laughs> but um, accept the offer. And the way I'm understanding that is that um, in improv, you don't decide where the scene was prior to, you know, your part. So you accept what comes to you. Um, I love this one. It's about the relationship. Because, you know, if I've, I've watched improv before and I've always thought it's about the humor, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's, it's funny and they come up with clever right. things. But it's as I think about it, if there's if there's improv that I've enjoyed and improv that I haven't enjoyed, it is has always been when I felt a relationship actually with the person on stage, as crazy as that may sound, um, that by the time it's done. You, you go up to talk to the actors and you feel like they're your best friends, even though they don't know who mm -hmm. you are. But it's because there was a relate, And I'm sure it also has to do with accepting the relationship, whatever the, the scene it is that you're building. So accept mm -hmm. the offer, relationship, people are what matters. 
um, listen, um, make active decisions, be in character. I really loved that one. You know, I, I was when you talked about being in character, I was really thinking, how how can how how does a human being get out of character, right? Aren't we always in character? But- mm. You know what I might say on that? Like my impulse is we, we're reading that like being character, like, you know, a mustache and a, mm-hmm. a cane. But I, I, the word character, also the other meaning of like moral and value mm-hmm. and stuff and, and how, you know, you thrive better when you're, say, in the workplace, when you're working on mostly your strengths. Um I think it's the same in an improv scene or the same when you're applying those improv scenes to life. I am at my best when I am employing my best character traits Um, and I can shine and I can feel confident in my feet and my body. And um, that's in character. I'm being my best self. I'm not working on just the hard parts about me. I'm, I'm showing you all the cool things about me and the things that make me glow and the things that maybe you like about me and then it makes you feel safe to be you and your version of you. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Really is. And I love this. Yeah, and I, oh, please go ahead. Oh no, whatever. <laughs> when, <laughs> when you, when you mentioned like the humor that's an improv, like that's almost, I, I love how you talked about that. It's, it can often just be a neat byproduct that happens, but it is this practice in helping mm-hmm. us, see our humanity um, our, and a lot of our flaws and a lot of our beauty and just realizing that it's, it's not about, it's not about ego. Um, it's, it's about community. It's about if, if I succeed, you succeed. And if I'm getting the laugh, I mean, that's fun for an instant and that is part of it, but isn't it so rewarding when you get, when someone you maybe don't brand as funny gets the laugh because you were all working together to get that. It's a special reward. And you realize we all have so much to offer one another. Yeah. Yeah. Really a, a, a team effort there. I, I like this next one as, as well, the yes. And because I, I definitely have felt before, like I, like the way to move up or the way to make it in life is, you know, you, you do what you're told <laughs> and, and that's part of life, right? You, you can't, you can't um, always be in control of everything except for with that and that you add on to it. It's okay to say yes and this is what I'll need. Mm-hmm. Yes and. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I found that to be very powerful as well. And we, of course, we talked about embrace failure and then trust and support your partner. Now, I know, uh, Leonard, you wanted to jump in and, and, and add something there. Yeah, well, really What's kind of neat, and Shannon, this is a, a story that you're not familiar with, but uh, I'm sure you can see from it too. Uh, Steve, when I was out and visiting you, uh, what I remember is, uh, so Steve plays guitar just a little bit, and mm-hmm. Steve has a friend, Mandy, that plays guitar just a little bit better. And <laughs> yes. me being from the Memphis area, we decided to, uh, I, I don't know who initiated, but nonetheless, there was a spontaneous blues singing that we did the three of us and uh i of course was the most uh reluctant to dive in in part because my personality just being maybe a little more structured not as free-flowing 
but it really was an improv. Uh, we we made up the song as as we play mm. as as they played. Uh, they made up the tune as they played, you know, and just kind of mm. blues is relatively easy to follow at least. But they they strummed and and sang whatever came to mind, and the beauty of that moment. Uh, and and the, my lesson from that, being <laughs> the little starchy, structured person that I am, was the <laughs> necessity for me to allow myself to let go and the acceptance and the trust of the other two people. You know, in this case, it was just a triad, uh, but mm-hmm. my, to, to just let go and just trust the process and trust mm. them. And of course, there was such support and, and such, it, and it was just a simple, fun thing to do. But still, there was all that internal turmoil that comes along with that. Wow. And so I, I, I wonder, Shannon, from your experience and having much more experience with improv, and I, I know you're a little more of a free spirit just from talking to you and listening to your podcast. Did you find it challenging, especially as you're talking about? to your relatives and about your grandfather and this this book that you're working on did you find some challenging areas to kind of stretch yourself and go in that flow and trust the process or has it just just been such an exciting thing that it's been easy for you to do mm-hmm. oh what a good question before i directly answer um I just thought that was such a beautiful exchange the blues scenario and it reminded me of uh my grandpa, you know, I told you I'm working on a story and I'll, I'll kind of skip back, but mm-hmm. he um, is unexpected turn of events in the hospital. And he um, sang to me last night on his Marco Polo to me. Oh. And he's saying, my Bonnie is lies over the ocean. <laughs> and I just thought about what your example of how song was the great unifier. Sometimes it, like the improv thought is like, doing something different out of the normal, you know, put aside our start shirt for just a second and then magic happens, you know? And, um, so I just, it's neat to see that. Okay. But back to, um, challenges, of course, more challenges than, um, than doors opening sometimes, you know, (laughs) but then I remembered, no, this is an offer. (laughs) Um, so first challenge is it's, it can be dangerous to go to Idaho. It can, that's a barrier. Um, if I do have any of this, I'm coming to bring this germ to 80 and 90 year olds. That's a horrible idea. Um, but I tried to do all I could and I just felt this burning pressure to go. When I get there, I'm trying to find addresses and phone number of this long list of relatives. Most of them, I, I, maybe some I met when I was really little and but at least they know my dad. They're closer, like their nephew or, you know. Mm-hmm. And, but it's a little like, God, I had to dig. And I, I'm, I feel that I am courageous by nature. But even in your strengths, you're not completely refined. Like, it doesn't mean I'm just always brave. And so I had to, to call people. I had to knock on random doors. And, and every time I was like pitting my stomach, nervous about how they would receive me. Um, and I had lots of surprises. One time a relative answered the door in his underwear hmm. inside out. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to say yes to that improv and uh, he didn't seem to mind. So I tried not to mind. And pretty soon, despite the lack of pants, I realized this beautiful um, rough around the edges soul had a lot to share with me. And he had an alternate perspective about the family 
and um, some kind of hard feelings. And as I just sat with him and I, not just make me the hero because I really think ultimately he was, um, but I leaned into that and I, I trusted him and I accepted and listened to what he told me. And um, it was important and valuable. And I felt moved and that there were more layers of my family story than just putting my grandpa on a pedestal. There were angles of like, ah, just so much. And, and there's so much beauty in that. And so, yeah, lots of unexpected, but also at this, every time you have this unexpected, you get this often this uh, opposite pendulum swing of, of beautiful reward. This relative ended up taking me on a beautiful adventure to Timbuktu, Jackpot, Nevada to search for um, treasure, really. And um, we had some mishaps along the way that were really sad and poignant. Um, but it was all because he trusted me mm-hmm. and um, let me, his cousin's daughter, show, he showed me the beauty of this land that was so important to him, important to my father in a land that I have less connection to because I did not grow up mm-hmm. there, but but yearned to know it. And as I do this work and like, you know, my grandpa being in the hospital, it's it's like when things are rough and you feel like you have no choice when you're thrown something like a tomato and a furlough and you don't know what is up and down crazily that's when you find out uh that you have like different purposes on this earth and in that I did not expect this but I'm writing this beautiful story I hope and I feel this passion that I want to empower other people to do similar work. Mm. It's kind of hard to know where to start. It's overwhelming. I'm going to do it wrong. Or if Mm. I do it, start writing today versus tomorrow versus in three hours, every version I write will be different. And I feel stressed (laughs) about that because what is different? Is that bad? No, it's just a different frame of mindset. And I've, I've pivoted and I've realized um, in addition to, doing this work for my grandfather and really more for me than for him and our, and our, you know, relatives. But I, I get so much out of it. I've realized, wait, I've been um, delivering content to organizations in groups, which I don't know what a group is, but it's when people <laughs> gather. <laughs> I remember but, those vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. But um I can't do that right now. And so I I was kind of starting to work on building creative online courses to teach these improv language skills. And then I realized, okay, I can still do that. But what I, I have this burning in my bosom about helping people to write their life stories for loved ones. And so that's what I'm doing. I'm building a course to teach people. I have some templates, what worked for me, and I'm kind of showing my story and example and how I did it what questions I asked, what, um, how to get them talking. And, and I've learned a lot that in all my preparation, an unexpected thing is letting you reach out to the person and you'll trust them and they will take the conversation to a different spot. And it's exactly what you needed at that moment. And I'm just feeling really joyful and strengthened. And I, honestly, I would not have made this progress had it not been for a furlough. I really wouldn't. And it's like a real pivot for me in a, in an important soul level. Yeah. Well, I really, 
I'll, I'll pause for a moment and interject because that's that is so rich. And I know uh, I'm on my second 90 day furlough now, and I don't know two weeks into the second one. I, I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not taking off the calendar and keeping track. I just know when the target <laughs> date is. Uh, but one of the things that I hope, uh, as you've shared this, Shannon, and so many of our other guests have kind of shared on the program, is that I'm hoping that folks that are in positions similar to us that are on furlough, and even if you're not on furlough, I mean, good gosh, mm-hmm. we live our lives at such a pace that we don't take the time. And, and just like the very first thing that you mentioned was noticing everything. And if we don't take the time to stop and notice everything, how much we're missing. I've always been a very goal-oriented individual. And as a younger person, my 20-year-old self, if I could tell my 20-year-old self something, I would remind myself the end goal is lesser important than the journey Mm -hmm. to that goal. And it sounds like you've used your furlough to enjoy that journey just a little bit more. And so I, I hope our listeners are taking the time to do that, whether they're on furlough or not. So I, I'll get off my soapbox now. Oh, I, <laughs> but think I, that's I just wanted to share that thought as yeah. you were talking. <laughs> it actually made me think about uh, Steve's bees. Like he's yeah, there you go. nurturing and loving them and accepting their honey and their sweet offering. When what do bees do? They are designed to work. And it, mm-hmm. I think they it's their purpose. And, and I think we as humans are, you know, we can always parallel to that. Are we designed to work? We work, we work, but we have that sweet honey. They should partake of their sweet honey. You can share your sweet honey. And how can you do that in your particular way? There you go. And I think you just branded Steve's honey. Steve's honey. There you go. <laughs> Maybe. I like that. So I have to Google Your it. Honey's see if larger it's out than there. life. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell those bees to get working hard because we got an outside. Throwing some labels on that and selling it. A gallon and a half seemed like a lot, but maybe it's not anymore. <laughs> not if we're branding and putting Steve's sweet honey out there. <laughs> You know, I, I think it's interesting I always when, when we talk to anyone on our show just to find out, you know, we, we get a good idea of where they're at and what they're doing. And, and I feel like we know you a lot better right now and, and your values that drive you. But um, I would kind of like to know a little bit about how you got there, you know, especially thinking about it from this perspective of, of improv and applying improv to your life. Mm-hmm. Was, was this always part of who you were? Was there maybe at one point a, a more shy version of Shannon or did you come out of the mm-hmm. womb just being like, here I am world? Um, <laughs> um, how, did, how, did you, um, how did you come about using something like improv to really direct you through your life? I remember when I was in high school participating in improv nights with combined high schools and I remember that magic and you know the quiet ones were the funny ones and this it would just it just felt so connecting and anyone could participate it was it was safe and empowering and just fun and lighthearted and it wasn't you know there was no negative side effects like uh you know it wasn't like a drug it was just like adrenaline and we were community. And so that was like a start of how I, I realized it was just really powerful. And I've always enjoyed theater. Um, 
my first role in a play was the red wheel in Oliver Twist in the wagon. You never seen someone spin a red umbrella so powerfully. <laughs> I was wondering how you were a wheel. <laughs> you gotta improvise. There you go. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, um, this wagon's going too fast now. <laughs> so and I, uh, people will ask, often ask me like, you know, like, how are you, why are, why and how are you wired this way? And I can't quite trace it back exactly. Maybe my parents had, had a part in just making me feel confident along the way. Um, but I'm certain, I mean, like as anyone does, I have different shy sides, but, but generally I, I just put it all out there and it's kind of how I process things and sometimes too out there, <laughs> but Hey, who's to say? So life continues. Um, go about my goals and achieve goals. And um, yeah, I get married young. I got married when I was twenty. We're celebrating our twentieth anniversary on um, Wednesday. Congratulations! Congratulations! <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a it's a big one. And um, being married young, I didn't really know what I was getting into, and uh, but thought I was so mature. And as anyone would. You know, anyone who's been married or in a relationship, it's not easy. Um, and I, I was using improvisation tools, but not consciously. And my husband and I are very different in many ways. I mean, go figure who's, whose partner isn't different. Yeah. Um, but I actually ended up making my not-so-supernova play that you introduced, you know, about that and about when you are so different, what do you do to find humor and to move forward? And that's when I started to realize, like, no, actually, those improv tools that you've liked and thought were, like, cute from afar are your survival and what are going to get you through and to not just survive but thrive. So um, I ended up – I didn't plan to work in the workforce. I thought I would be a stay-at-home mom and pastorally teaching – my children to plant things in the garden and having my own bees or something. <laughs> I got but, to be that mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen. And there were, it was kind of stressful and I was angry sometimes that my husband is um, artistic and creative. He's a musician during COVID for him. He's doing this crazy, wild, ambitious project where he's creating 12 musical albums in 12 months and he's completed three of the 12. Oh, wow. And, so he has this intensity that I'm creative and artistic too, but it's like he's to another level, man. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, finding understanding and um, and listening and accepting who he is and not trying to change him has been a process of becoming. And when I finally kind of realized I'm better suited for the workplace, and that's what I'm going to do. I didn't want to do that, and I really have used those improvisation techniques to realize, like, well, you know what? In, in ways that I didn't expect, that little Shannon in high school who followed all her dreams, and for a while, I kind of put that girl aside, and this girl is free again, and she can follow her dreams, and I'm, I'm, I'm wired to achieve at work and to mm. climb and to make a difference and when I can accept the strengths I have, you know, that being character mm -hmm. and accept his strengths, man, we're getting somewhere. 
Well, I think that's, you know, I love how you brought up that be in character again, you know, and, and, and I think it, as I'm looking at this toolbox here, I, there's not like any one that I find, you know, more important than the other, but there are certainly some that I find to be more difficult to do. And, mm -hmm. and I think that that's probably true for everyone, but that be in character, I think what makes that so difficult is deciding who your character is. And, and, and from an improv yeah. perspective, do you know your character and how do you discover your character? You know, when you're up there, or is that something that's already predefined before you get on stage? Or are you discovering your character while you are your character? I think you definitely are. And how, what a cool and like mind blowing concept and your character is changing but say yes to that and let yourself evolve and just be ready for the unexpected. And when you do, you're going to find parts of you and parts of your partners that are just really meaningful and make the world better. And make us laugh. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Um, yeah. Well, and, and maybe that goes back to enjoying the journey, Steve, the, the laughter, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, we're in, in, sorry, kind of a soapbox moment again here, it sounds like. But, you know, as we talk about character, we, we are assigned and we're in a culture that hates labels, but yet we label people mm -hmm. more than ever. I, and I, I haven't figured that out yet, but I believe it to be <laughs> true with all my heart. Uh, you know, we separate left from right. We separate by color we separate by everything and and we say we hate labels and so therefore you and i as individuals have all of these labels and we have to reconcile them to know which labels are genuine to us and which labels are just assigned because of somebody else's perspective of who we are and mm -hmm. it's through these improvisational skills and through other things obviously as well but this is a good toolkit that we can look at these 10 areas that Shannon has listed and kind of from that figure out a little bit more who we are rather than just assume we are who somebody says we are. So in the improvisational world, if somebody assumes I'm a particular character, then it's up to me to change and morph through improv who I am. And, and Shannon, I love how you say uh, the fact that we are ever changing, just as you mentioned about writing. So I, I myself have embarked on trying to write a book and it's many years in progress and few pages in Good length. For you. Hey, <laughs> but, you know, but one, well, one word at a time. Yeah. Well, and the one thing you said just so resonated is as I write today and as I write tomorrow, it will be different simply because of the framework of the day that I'm in. Yeah. And I think we need to kind of embrace that for ourselves as well. So mm. the Leonard today really may not be the same Leonard tomorrow. Now that, that I'm going to be dramatically different, but just recognizing we are a living being just like Steve's bees. <laughs> use that. <laughs> just like Steve's bees. We're a living being and we're ever changing, you know, wow. and there's work that we're doing. There's something wow. we're contributing, whether we recognize it or not, we're somewhere contributing to the culture around us and the people around us and so we can't just settle we just have to keep moving and accept kind of as you're saying shannon accept who we are and i think 
in doing that, just if you've talked about your own journey and your husband's experience together at marriage, as you accept yourself, it's been probably much easier to accept who he is as well. Boy, isn't that powerful? Yeah. (laughs) You know, as you're talking about the who we are, I thought about kind of some unexpected things. Okay, I shared with you before that, you know, the turn of events with my grandpa, I'm writing a story. Uh, Last week, he went into the hospital into ICU. He's still there and he's 87. He's lived a robust life, um, but thought thought he was dying and he's turned a corner and I think we're going to have some more time with him, which I think is its own little miracle. But I've communicated him continuing through Marco Polo and in these changing days, um, first of all, no one could visit him in the ICU because of COVID and that's so morale sad. Mm -hmm. But um, and day by day, as he suffers in agony, um, I feel so powerless. And each day, I see, if he has the strength to communicate to me and to my cousins and other loved ones, I'm seeing different versions of who he is. And I've been so surprised by his strong, like, it's almost like this, uh, this family history that, I, that we are working on for him is this strong force larger than I could imagine. And it is the thing he continues to talk about, that he's so grateful the work is being done and it's, it's elevating him. It's, it's, it's miraculously sustaining him for a little more time. And I, I think that those, the who we are and talking about who we are now versus yesterday versus him yesterday, three days ago, the him that I saw and received and the hymn yesterday is so different. And we have to talk about who, those differences and not label them, but talk about all the angles of light that we see. And then we will, I don't know, we'll just have more information. I think that's the interesting thing about it and, and thinking about it being in character and, and from that improv, you, there's not time to apply a label you just have to continue mm-hmm. discovering, you know, continue to learn what it is that you're seeing and what it is that you are. And I think for many of us, and especially as we go through 2020 in particular, because there is not a day in 2020 that we haven't woken up and said, oh, this is the world we live in. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's different than the world I fell asleep in last night. Yep. And, um, and there really isn't even time to label things and figure out what it is before we're moving on to what I feel like is a, another challenge or another, you know, concern. Um, and, and it is interesting because if I do stop and look back and I think it's, I hope at some point in my life, I do that, you know, maybe at some point I can be like your grandfather and 87 years old and look back, this will be the year I remember. <laughs> this will be this will be the year that i say oh yes that was that was quite a time uh that we went through (laughs) then and uh it'll be the story that um my grandkids will want to to hear for whatever little book they're working on um that um stopping and and recognizing you know that we're in a good movie it's just we're in a part of it that's kind of you know, difficult. We're in the conflict <laughs> portion, you know, we're not in the point that it all wraps up happily. And, yep. you know, that, that, that I trust is coming. We're just haven't quite reached it yet. 
Yeah, and you think like you can't you can't make good art without some light and some dark and some shades in between. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And and I also think it's interesting just um how you you can't have good art without having someone who can appreciate it. You know that mm, Yeah. Um, and, and that requires uh, context and context requires experience. And, you know, there's so mm. many things that I remember as a kid, I would have looked at and said, that is not good art. Because to me, when I was a kid, especially like visual art, a good painting was one that was looked a lot like the real thing, mm. you know, and you know, I- <laughs> now understanding context and having experience the last thing I want to see is the real thing. I've already seen that. I can just look at the real thing if that's what I want. Um, even though it may display the the skill of the person who did it, it doesn't necessarily convey, you know, the story that goes along yeah. with it. You know, I felt the needing an audience or, or a receiver of whatever that offering or that art is. I really felt that in listening to your podcast. You, you guys present this beautiful conversation and then you bring another person in and it's talking about these real raw tender sometimes parts of life and you just feel like buoyed to keep going forward and part of the magic is that there's listeners and that they're a part of the conversation just silently taking it in and I I feel like I was actually in the room every time and just (laughs) nodding and you know it's just really it's really pure and wonderful to see um, you know, and your brilliance have combined during COVID because of this and good things do come. Well, now I know that uh, Leonard and I are just suffering from excessively large heads. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, My and, microphone you know, and earphones are about to fall off. <laughs> it, it is interesting because oh, no. when we started this, you know, we, we had talked about having a podcast long before furlough happened. I think probably we, we discussed it maybe a, um, a, mm. a year before. And we had had yeah, so many ideas so. on what it would, could be and how it could, how we could run the podcast. I think originally it was more like a trade type of thing we wanted to talk about since both of us are learning professionals, you know, the, the aspect of, of learning and what causes transfer of knowledge and then what leads to behavioral changes, which is, you know, the most difficult thing to get at. And it's interesting because when we finally got furloughed, it was like, all right, well, let's start this. And we started it the Monday after, you know, we got that furlough. Wow. And um, cool. it, it, it has not been what we envisioned it to be. And, and, mm. and for me, in many ways, it has been my weekly therapy session. You know, it's like, I, I, I felt like it listening. I'm not you. I mean, I felt like it was yeah. my therapy listening to you guys. <laughs> And, and it's been great, you know, when we have had opportunities and it's not like I've had a lot of people that I've spoken to after uh, the podcast, but to hear that, you know, we're not going through this alone. And I think that has been the kind of the theme that I've gotten from this is that we're not alone. And, you know, Shannon, I know you like musicals um, because I, you and I actually have <laughs> the same favorite musical. Uh, with Les Miserables. That was also my favorite book. Victor Hugo is the most amazing so powerful. writer in the world. But I think a close second would be Into the Woods. And mm. um, the the message behind that one being that you're not alone. You know, in fact, there's a line, and I don't know if I can remember it well enough, but 
it's, it goes something along the sign along the along the lines that that when we were thinking who was on our side, maybe we forgot that we're not alone and neither are they alone, that nobody's mm-hmm. alone. And then it talks about how, you know, we we make each other's mistakes as well. You know, I think that's part of a big as I as I look at the toolbox that you gave us today, embrace failure. And and thinking about that in the context of of my second favorite musical, um, Into the Woods, you know, it talks about we make each other's mistakes and we live with each other's mistakes. And maybe when it comes, you know, when we talk about embracing failure, and I thought about this from this this idea of improv your failure on the stage has to be embraced by everybody or else you can't move forward. Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. And, and uh, I think for me, that's something I would like to kind of ponder on as we go into this next week is how do I embrace all the failures? And I think in Mm -hmm. 2020, maybe that's what we need. How do we embrace it all? I'm not sure what the answer is. Maybe you've got the answer, Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I think we got to keep struggling with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly we are all on the stage of life. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think, Shannon, these, these improvisational tips and the conversation we've had has uh, really planted some good seeds. Uh, back to your garden. <laughs> planted some good mm-hmm. seeds and provided some good insights as to what we can do. And just, again, I I think just that reflection and taking that time to reflect and and, uh, really think through these things is really so, so beneficial. Well, we need to go ahead and begin to wrap up. Steve, did you have any parting thoughts or any additional questions for Shannon before we wrap things up for today? Well, I'd like to just quickly um, run through those tools again for anyone that that is not taking notes. (laughs) Now's your chance. These are the tools that we got today from Shannon. Accept the offer. And you know what? I think what's interesting about that, you have no choice. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's not like it's there or it's not. Life is, is there in front of you. You can accept, you can reject it, but it's still there. So accept the offer. And that relationships are what count. Uh, that that is, it's people that matter. And... Um, almost just want to stop on that one and say it again. It's people that matter because that's, I think probably the most important of all of these because you can't let people matter unless you're doing these other things. Listen, we didn't talk about that very much, but I, it's so incredibly powerful making sure that we are, are talking less and listening more, um, make active decisions, do something. You know, I had a, a manager that told me, um, the best decision is always the right decision. The second best decision is, is the wrong decision. The worst decision is no decision. <laughs> that it's, mm-hmm. she always felt like it was better for us to do something wrong than to not do anything at all. And so uh, that's where I take from this, make an active decision to do something, move forward, be in character. Um, I love the power in yes and, because I do like to be the person that says, yes, we can do this. But I also need to make sure that I'm, um, I'm writing my own destiny. And that and is what allows me to do that. Um, embrace failure, and that is all failure, ours and everyone else around us, because we're in this boat mm-hmm. together. Uh, whether we believe it or not, whether we see it or not, 
Uh, we may be in different parts of that boat, or <laughs> we may be in the same storm, but on different boats, which we talked about in the different uh, podcasts. But either way, we're in this storm together. Um, and then trust and support your partner. And I'm sure that part of that goes right back to that relationship and people matter. Um, and your partner may be uh, the person who's getting groceries next to you at the grocery store. Your partner may be uh, the person that you decide not to flip off when they cut you off. Because uh, at that point in life, they're your partner. Uh, they're your partner in this endeavor of getting home safely. And so embrace your partner, whoever your partner may be at that time. So those are the things um, I just wanted to really quickly recap because they're all so incredibly powerful. And um, I want to also just say thank you very much, Shannon. This was this was very enlightening. Yeah. Thanks. It was nice sharing time with both of you. Yeah, Shannon, definitely a pleasure having you here and getting to know you uh, more as a person. I know we, we reached out and had some conversations sometime back. So, so good to reconnect and talk in person. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you. And folks, that wraps up another podcast for us. Uh, so just a reminder, we do have our furloughed mailbox at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Some great insights today. Uh, and the last item on the list that I don't know that we covered was bring your best self. Uh, so when we talk about improv and as we go through that, we always want to bring our best self. And I think that's a great lesson for anywhere that we are in life today. So with that, we'll say goodbye. And uh, before we forget, though, we do want to recognize our sponsor, Upwards Unlimited. That's Upwards, W-O-R-D-S, unlimited.com. And they will help you with conversations, connections, collaboration, and community. And times like this, we need all of those. So thank you all for being a part of this journey. And we look forward to talking with you next week. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.